You are listening to a Sunday sermon from St. Thomas Episcopal Church in Bellevue, Washington. We are a community that seeks God's presence, serves Christ in others, and grows together in our faith. Welcome to our podcast. The following sermon was preached on the first Sunday of Advent, November 29, 2020, by Ashley Buff Lang, Associate for Youth at St. Thomas. time with me for a moment. The year is 538 BC. You, having spent the last 70 years as an exile in Babylon, have finally been permitted to return to Jerusalem, your homeland, your promised land. In many ways, it feels almost like a dream. Your anticipation to return to this place, and anticipation that's been soaked in memories of that sweet, sweet taste of milk and honey on your lips. The memory of a land that you never stopped calling home has, after all these years, gone from hope to happening. Yes, indeed, you are going home. Life as it was in general will surely resume, you think to yourself. That is, of course, until you get there, until you see it, 
as you arrive back to find a home, if that's even what you can call it anymore, that is downright unrecognizable to the one you left. That land on which a towering temple once stood is now covered only in broken bricks and dust and rubble. You turn the stones beneath your feet, and all that comes back to you is dust. This can't be the place you remember. This can't be the same land you yearn for back in exile. The words of the prophet Isaiah feel as close and as piercing as they ever have. Your sacred cities have become a wasteland, even Zion is a wasteland, Jerusalem a desolation. Our holy and glorious temple where our ancestors praised you has been burned with fire, and all that we treasured lies in ruins. After all this, Lord, will you hold yourself back? These words from Isaiah come from us just after where our lectionary leaves off. I don't believe it takes very much for us at all today to know intimately that same desolation, anguish, isolation, and yes, even anger that we see in our prophets. Indeed, for many of us, this year has been one saturated in its own kind of devastation, exhaustion, and loss. It's been a year spent wondering if the people and comforts we have grown so used to will still be there when we wake up the next morning. A year spent praying, desperately praying, that we won't have to attend a funeral over Facebook or Zoom. It's been a year of difficult and downright impossible choices. A year of longing for family and friends and church and community and normalcy. Perhaps for you, it was a year with one less setting at the Thanksgiving table. This year has left our bodies and our minds and our souls fatigued beyond measure. It's a year in which the words of our gospel writer to stay awake feel more like punishment than they do promise. Indeed, at first glance, our scripture text today seems to offer little comfort, painting a picture that feels far more bleak and, let's be honest, frustrating than Advent should feel. If this is, in fact, the season of light, does it feel so dark? But it's here, in this very moment, in this very feeling, that we must pause. We must listen once more, and this time more slowly. You, O oh Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hands. You see, even in the prophet's anguish, he knows that there is something more than the rubble and soot that sits before him, obstructing the view. 
No, he knows deep down at his very core, at the core of his being, that the foundation on which God's most glorious temple stands is not one made of mortar and stone. Rather, this temple, a temple built in fulfillment of God's covenant to God's people, is something different. Made of materials impermeable to fire or famine or war or even death. No, this temple is built instead of a soil molded not of man, but by the very hands of God. Hear it once more. You, O Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. This Sunday, we enter into a new year in the life of the church. This new year begins, as it always does, not with banging pots, giant incandescent balls in the middle of New York Times or fireworks, but instead with a promise that is far more still, far more slow, maybe even a little bit more meandering, a promise so soft and quiet that the gospel writer knows it's worth reminding us to stay alert and all attentive to what presents itself to us in this season. In a recent reflection of hers, Duke Divinity School professor, author, and self-described incurable optimist, Kate Bowler recalls a moment of intentional gratitude that she experienced while staying with her parents in their Canada home. She writes, At the first sight of snow, my seven-year-old Zach ran out screaming, and I mean screaming. Oh, hello, snow. Welcome to my life. For a boy who has grown up in a mild North Carolina winters, this year's first snowfall in Winnipeg, Manitoba felt extra magical. I was also aware that it was no small miracle to be there. To be at my mom's house making banana fritters with caramel drizzle, ice cream, and extra sprinkles per Zach's request. You see, we have this little tradition in my family that when the first snow sticks on the ground, we must make donuts that very night. In Canada, the snow falls and stays far beyond its welcome. Oh, I don't know, until July. So we make every effort to celebrate before we get tired of all this cold and don't feel celebratory any longer. Further down, she continues her reflection. When a pandemic, or disease, or grieving a loss shrinks the walls of our lives, we can begin to believe that hope has been lost. That lives, that the lives we had before are over. That we may never again experience the joys and dreams and horizons we once assumed were infinite. That there is nothing left to celebrate. Yes, things have changed. Yes, life looks different, and our limitations are so much more obvious. Yes, we are lonely and sick and hungry for a taste of normalcy. But today, there is no life in general. And praise God, there are only fritters. Tiny moments to celebrate that, yes, 
life has changed, but no, it has not taken everything. It can be so tempting to focus on the parts of this year that feel lost to us. It can be tempting to know the snow on the ground only as that which hinders our travel, keeps us cold and apart, and won't seem to just go away even as a new season approaches. But my friends, the promise of Advent invites us into a different story, a different way of being and seeing. It calls us to recognize that there is, in fact, magic in the mystery. Hope that even when it seems there is nothing but devastation and loss around us, that God is erecting a temple molded by the very clay that is God's own people and fixed on a foundation that's just about as impossible as it gets. It's a, temp- it's a temple built on a foundation that is the Christ child, lying cold and naked in a manger, come to deliver us from sin and death and desolation, come to deliver us from this seemingly inescapable hopelessness and into light, faith, peace, and yes, joy even and especially where it feels impossible. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a 20th century theologian whose legacy was largely defined by his resistance efforts against Hitler's regime. From 1943 up until his eventual execution in 1945, Bonhoeffer penned several letters which were smuggled out of prison. In one letter addressed to his parents, he reflected on the meaning of Advent. He wrote, We can and should also celebrate Christmas despite the ruins around us. I think of you as you now sit together with the children and with all Advent decorations as in earlier years you did with us. We must do all of this even more intensively because we do not know how much longer we have. Well, my friends, I suppose that just leaves us with the final question, that is, how? How might we enter into this season even as the dust and rubble remain fixed at our feet? Even as the snow stays well beyond its welcome? Even as the flames of hardship, injustice, and loss continue to roar? Well, maybe it could start with critters. Intentional acts of noticing the good, the the God that surrounds us, that has always surrounded us, just as God did in those days in Jerusalem. Maybe finding hope in Advent looks less like looking for God in earthquakes and boiling water and more like scouring the quiet streams that trickle down the hillside. A friend of mine has recently taken up a practice on social media. Each day she names something small and seemingly insignificant. 
but it's something that brings her some form of delight. She calls them tiny joys. And they can range anywhere from fancy maraschino cherries or knowing the sound a blue jay makes and being able to recognize when they're nearby. Where are your tiny joys? Where might hope be calling to you today? Yes, even in this very moment. This season, my prayer for us all is that we might be aware of all the big and small moments worthy of delight and donuts. For it is there. It is there where our attention and our intention is set and secure that we find God and God's promise for a new life and hope to bring light into this darkness. Yes, even in the rubble of all that has been, the promise remains. God has not left us. For indeed, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son has been given, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Thanks be to God. For more information about St. Thomas Episcopal Church, please visit our website, www.stthomasmedina.org. That's www.stthomasmedina.org.